far from here? Maybe just like an hour or so. Uh, I'm also here with my family. I have uh, four amazing kiddos, and I have a wife of 15 years. We just celebrated 15 years this year. And they're in the back, but they're shy. They might wave. They might not. Let's see. Hi, guys. Uh, it's my wife, Jason, back there, apparently. Uh, next to Jason is Katie, and then... Uh, the rest of them. So uh, I think the most important thing about me that you guys uh, probably would like to know is that I have two dogs. Um, not a cat person at all. Zero cats. Are there any cat people here? All right. Let's just bow our heads real quick and pray for the cat people. I'm just kidding. Uh, I have two dogs, uh, Chance and Ozzy, and they're two French bulldogs, and they're incredible. Um, I wish they were here. I really do. I wish they were here. But hey, um, here, here's the deal, right? Here's the situation. We have an entire fun week of camp lined up for you guys. So have you been looking forward to coming to camp this week for some time? Anybody? Yeah. Because based off my math and experience, there's three kinds of people in this room tonight. Type one, you were looking forward to this since last year when you came. You were like, it's one, 364 days till I get to go back to Hume SoCal. Group two, you got invited. You had no idea what you were in for, but you said yes to an invitation from a friend. And hopefully, just based off the orange chicken and the swim test, and the opener in the videos, you're like, okay, I think this is going to be a good week. And so if that's you, I commend your courage. Way to go. You showed up, okay? Group three, you barely know where your shoes are when you're home, right? And so you like maybe woke up and your mom or your dad or, or whoever's kind of looking after you was like, don't forget you have camp today. And you were like, what? I have what? What is camp? And then you're here, and every day is just going to be like a magical journey of like, who am I and where am I? And I'm pumped you're here too. Cool? But my job this week, the, the, the role that I get to play in this amazing, amazing week that you have is I get you for like 30 minutes each evening, and what we're going to do is we're going to open the scriptures together. And so here's, here's like two things I want to share before we jump into everything that you saw portrayed up here on stage tonight. The two things I wanna share with you are this. The first thing is if you have a Bible, grab that Bible and open up to the book of Daniel chapter one. That's where we're gonna be all week, is in the book of Daniel, okay? Daniel one, when you find Daniel one, hold your Bible up. Here's the thing, if you're like, dang it, I don't have a Bible or my Bible's on my phone and I don't have my phone. That's okay, because the crew here at Hume SoCal would love to give you a Bible. And so on your way out of chapel tonight, all you're going to do is just find someone with that cool neon bag and say, hey, I need a Bible. And then you're good to go. Sound good? All right. Daniel chapter 1. Here's the other thing. When it comes to navigating your Bible, there is no shame in opening up to the first page, the table of contents, and looking up the page number for where it is, okay? The, the goal is for you to just get familiar with all the books that make up your Bible. You have a counselor with you this week who I'm sure would love to help you navigate with whatever system and process they use. 
to navigate the Bible, to read the Bible. But tonight, we're going to be in Daniel 1. All right? So that's the first thing I wanted to share up front. Here's the second thing. I'll need all your attention for this. The second thing is this. Over the course of this week, you are going to learn a lot. There's going to be a lot said from this stage, from the different activities you do, from your cabin discussion times. Like there's just tons of moments this week to have spiritual conversations. If you take nothing else away from this week, I would hope that it's this handful of things. Number one, there is a God. Number two, what we'll learn this week is that the Bible describes God as the embodiment of love itself. 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Number three, the fullest expression of God's love is him offering up his son Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. Which brings me to point four. A relationship with God is the sole thing that God desires to have with you. And for some of you here this week, who, who you, maybe you don't believe in God, maybe as I talk about words like the Bible and God and love, you're immediately like, ew, no, I'm here to have some fun. Here's a promise that I'll make to you. Life will never make more sense than it does within the context of a relationship with God. And so if we look at things this way, God is love. He loves you to death. Two, the fullest expression of God's love is him sending his son Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. Point three, life is meant to be lived with God in it. And, and, and that's what we're going to see portrayed throughout the entire story of Daniel as we're going to unpack it this week. And so I just wanted to kind of give you that up front and let you know where we're headed and what we're going to be doing. Sound good? So I'm going to read some verses, then we're going to pray, then we're going to unpack those verses and just have like the best night ever. Does that sound good? You guys want to have a good night? All right. Love it. Here we go. Everyone's in Daniel 1? All right. I'm reading from the NIV version, and so if your Bible looks or sounds slightly different. It's simply you just have a, a, a different translation, but they're saying the same thing, just using different words to get there, okay? Ready, set. First seven verses of Daniel go like this. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then God ordered Aphanes, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and of nobility. Young men, without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He's talking about me here. Next verse. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained there for three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, 
Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Let's pray and figure out what it is that we're reading tonight. God, we thank you so much for a week of camp. God, for all the things that you can do in a week of our lives that we dedicate solely to you. So I pray for those students who came this week just hungry, hungry to learn more about you, hungry to grow close to you, hungry to draw near to their friends, to their church community. I pray that you would answer those prayers, that you would meet them here. God, I pray for those students here that are curious. Maybe they don't come from a background of faith. Maybe the weight of this world has caused more questions and answers and they're just confused. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity to their hearts and to their minds and to their souls this week. And God, for those who don't know you, for those who are far from you, as your scriptures would describe, I pray that you would get a hold of them with your radical, amazing, unending love. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So Daniel, here's the deal with Daniel, okay? What we saw portrayed on stage and on screen tonight is the beginning portion of the book of Daniel. And so what you had on stage and on this screen is you had this group of people on a ship that are navigating the ocean only using the king's commands and the king's communication. That's exactly what's happening here in Daniel chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 1, just the first couple verses, look at what it says. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. This is telling us a couple things that are massively important. And if we don't pay attention to them, all of this context gets lost. And all of the conversations that we're about to have this week don't make sense. Because here's the deal. You have a group of people living about 2,600 years ago. And this group of people were Israelites. This is who you read about all throughout your Old Testament. right? These are the people that, that Moses leads out of exile. These are the people that God promised to Abraham that he would have, have children that are like the stars in the sky and sand on the earth. These are, these are quite literally God's people as described in the Old Testament. And what happened was because of their disobedience to God, God allowed their kingdom to be taken over by one of their rivals, by one of their enemies, by, by people who hated them, by people who didn't like them. This, to me, is why I'm never worried about the Los Angeles Clippers winning a title, right? Like, they're just a fake team. They're not real. It's all about the Lakers in my mind, right? This is like, it's kind of what you have going on here. What you have going on here is you have two neighboring kingdoms that would have constantly been at war, and one of those kingdoms beats the other one to a pulp, and not only beats them, takes all of the things that meant the most to them and their culture, you have to understand, the children of Israel were fully and wholly dependent upon God for their existence. If you've ever been to VBS or church camp or read the Bible for yourself, you'll see these epic stories throughout the Old Testament of God delivering his people from ha the hand of evil. You have like David defeating Goliath. You have Moses freeing the Israelites from Egypt, parting of the Red Sea. All of those epic things happened, and what, what that had done is it had created this reverence it had created this, this love for God that was unlike any other thing happening in the world around them. God was present with them. God watched over them. God provided for them. 
In that process, God designed a system where, where people could draw near to God through following some of these different religious laws and, and some of these ceremonies and some of these sacraments. And so in that first verse, when it tells us that Judah had been besieged by Babylon, this is a sad, sad day. It's easy to see those one-line verses in the scriptures and just to read over them. But context tells us this would have been like the most horrific day in anyone's life that was alive at that time. Because not only are they now being like beaten in war, but all of their people have now been enslaved to a neighboring kingdom. All of their freedoms taken away. All of their rights taken away. All of their liberties stripped from them. Whatever job you used to have, you don't have anymore. Whatever relationships you used to have, you likely don't have those anymore. Wherever it was that you found your identity no longer exists because there's someone else in charge of you. I, I can't help but imagine if, if that situation and if those circumstances didn't make Daniel and his friends feel out of place. Have you ever felt out of place before? Like you just maybe didn't fit in, didn't belong? When I was in fifth grade, and this is interesting because I didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And what that means is like, we maybe would go to church on Christmas and Easter sometimes, but for the most part, like God was not a part of my family growing up. And so in fifth grade, my parents decided to send just me, not even my two sisters, to private school. And so I went to private school, and it was awesome. We started learning all these songs, and like I read the Bible for the first time. It wouldn't be till years later that I ended up uh, giving my life to the Lord and, and following Jesus with kind of who I was that came in my adult years. But I remember in fifth grade, just having all these questions and feeling so curious about who God was. And one of the things, do any of you go to private school, by the way? Yeah, it's okay. It's a safe place. You can raise your hand. Okay. So uh, you said right here in the front, you said you go to private school. What's the name of your school? What is it? High Point Academy. Here's a question. And for any of you who go to private school, are you allowed to wear like those clothes or did you have to wear a uniform? What, what did the uniform consist of? Skirts for the girls. What about, or dresses, right? For guys, probably pants, khakis. What about a shirt? Did they have a collar? Buttons? You guys have either known because you yourself go to private school or you've seen people who do. A lot of times, one of the things that's synonymous with going to private school is the uniform. Now, I was not born with what you would say uh, a sense of style. Like, I, I wasn't born naturally knowing how to dress myself. Some people are really good at it. I think, I think your generation would call it drip, okay? Some of y'all got drip. I have drop. Like, it's the opposite of that. Like, like, I just, like, pick clothes up, and they don't fit, and I just drop them on the floor. You know what I'm saying? And so, for me, going to private school with uniforms was like this incredible thing, because literally you would wake up, and you would put on the same pair of pants, and you would put on the same shirt, and because I was in fifth grade, they never uh, were washed, and they always smelled weird, and I would just like go to school. So I go to private school for one year, loving the uniforms. And then my parents said, no more private school, we're going back to public school. And so I was going into sixth grade. And at my school, sixth grade meant you were in middle school. I'm sure that's the case for many of you here. 
And so now, I'm going from private school with uniforms to middle school. And one day, towards the end of summer, my mom came to me. She said, hey, I'm going to take you back to school shopping. We're going to go get some clothes. And I was like, it's cool. I got the uniforms. And she's like, I think you might want, like, you might want different clothes. Part of that, too, is like I grew in middle school, I grew the most. Like I only grew two inches in high school. I grew like eight inches in middle school. So my, my shorts were already like short, and it wasn't cool then to like wear short shorts. That was not the style. Remember, whatever the style is, typically I would do the opposite, not even on purpose, because I just don't know how to dress myself. And so I insisted that I wear these uniforms to school on the first day. And my mom, because she's a loving mother, said, okay, go ahead. And so I show up to the first day at public school with my too small for me private school uniform on. Shirt was too tight. Shorts were well above the knee. Didn't know a single person because it was a new school for me. I was, I was horrified. I was embarrassed. And I don't embarrass easy. I got home from school, and my mom didn't even ask me how school went. She just said, are you ready to go shopping? I was like, yes, please, can we go shopping now? <laughs> the point is, I remember that feeling of feeling so out of place. And I'm sure that that's a feeling that many of you in this room, maybe it is through the way that you dress. Maybe it is through the way that you feel like you look and how others see you. Maybe it's through the way that you live your life. Maybe you come from a family that has just like a really rich and diverse cultural background, and you're ashamed of that. Maybe some of you just put too much weight and too much pressure on yourself to look, act, sound a certain type of way. Here's the deal. All of us in this room can relate to feeling out of place. But imagine for a second Daniel and his friends with all of the Jewish customs that they would have had to follow in Judah now being in Babylon feeling out of place with a new king, with a new set of peers, with a new job description, totally and completely out of place. Here's why I bring that up for you. Because what you'll see as we read on in Daniel chapter 1, what you'll see as we read on is that the king orders one of his generals to go through all of the people that they've just captured from Israel. And to find for him, he describes it here, young men, without any physical defect, handsome, who are smart, that means aptitude for learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So he takes one of his generals and he goes, I want you to go find the strongest, the smartest, the handsomest, the most potential out of all the people that we just captured, and they're going to report directly to me. They're going to be a part of my army. And so the guy goes through all the crowd and he identifies four people. And it's the four people that we saw portrayed on stage and on film tonight. In the Bible, their names were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he, he takes them and separates them even more from their culture by putting them into this little crew of people that would report directly to the general. Now, they don't not only live at home... Now they, they, they not only can't go to the church that they used to go to, now they can't even commiserate with the other people who have been captured. Now they have been re-isolated, having to train as soldiers for a general they don't believe in, for an army that just beat them up, and to a king who does not have any reverence towards their God. Here's the big parallel that I want to frame the rest of our week with. That feeling of being out of place 
That feeling of being exiled, if you will. That feeling that each of us has. And I truly believe it's a very human emotion of not fitting in, of feeling like we don't belong. is something that God's Word talks about. And here's what I want to say to you. If there is ever a point in your life where you feel out of sorts, that's okay. In fact, the author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe said it this way. The author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, a gentleman named C.S. Lewis, he said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Meaning, if I always feel like I can't find satisfaction, if having all the friends in the world doesn't fix the loneliness in my heart, of having all of the attention that one person could handle still doesn't make me feel okay with myself, maybe you're not the issue. Maybe the issue is we as people are living in a world that's not operating the way that it was intended to operate. This exile that Daniel is experiencing is a very perfect parallel to a deeper spiritual issue that is at play in the world that we live in today. If you think back to the very beginning of your Bible, the first page, Genesis chapter 1, we're introduced to God himself. The first four words of the Bible say that in the beginning, God. What that tells us about God is that God was not created, that God has no beginning, but that God is at the beginning of us. That's why it's really hard for us to make sense of humanity void of God. And then that, that over the next two chapters, what we see happen in the book of Genesis is we see God begin to systematically speak life as we know it into existence. He says, let there be light and there's light. He says, let, let there be earth and there's earth. Let there be a separation between the two. And you can literally, as you read through that, if you haven't read it before, man, I encourage you tomorrow when you wake up, go sit under a tree and just read how God spoke the earth into existence. It will blow your mind. I always wonder what it was like when God was like, let's make elephants, or let's make giraffes, or let's make the platypus, right? Like these weird animals. I don't know what it was like because there's no verses on it. Trust me, I've checked. But what I do take away from the beginning parts of the Bible is the fact that there is a God who created everything that we know and love and can experience. But by the time you get to chapter 3, we'll talk more about chapter 3 a little bit later this week. By the time you get to chapter 3, you see that this perfect world that God had created had an issue. And the issue was the first humans that God made had sinned. And in sinning, they had brought a curse on the earth. Because God's original intended design for humans was to live in perfect communion with him. That was to say, we were meant to live in such a way that God himself, that the presence of God was a staple presence in our lives. That God wasn't something that, that at times you feel like you have to close your eyes and focus really hard to talk to. That God wasn't just someone who we can read about on the pages of our Bible and understand more of his story and his character and his love for us. In the beginning, God walked with humankind. But then humans were exiled from the presence of God because sin had entered the world. And so if you ever feel like life is not going the way that it ought to, the answer could quite literally be that it's not. 
Because life isn't going the way that God intended for it to go. And there's a lot of evidence. There's a lot of proof in our lives that life isn't going the way that it was supposed to go. If you've ever had your heart broken, there's a good example. If you've ever felt sad before, there's a great example. If you've ever experienced sickness or lost a loved one. Like right now in in my life for the last month and a half, every Wednesday I drive down to my mom's house and take care of her because she has terminal cancer. And so my mom is likely going to pass away and go be with God in the next two months. And whenever I'm with her, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of God, why is this going this way? God, why does this have to be so difficult? Why does this have to be so tough? Maybe you yourself are going through something hard. Maybe your parents are splitting up or already have. Maybe there's things that have happened to you or things that you've done in your life. Those things serve as a reminder that that's not the way this was supposed to go. The way that this was supposed to go is that we were supposed to be in relationship with God. What hope do we have outside of that? Jesus was quoted in John 16.33 as saying that in this world you will have troubles. That life is going to be hard at times. But take heart because I have overcome the world is what God's word says. So what's the point? What was the point of all of these different things that I shared with you? Here's the point. Here's how all of this relates to us. First things first. This week we're going to unpack the story of Daniel. And just like Daniel, we too are living in a certain type of exile. That exile has been brought on to us in our lives through sin, through darkness, through the absence of love. And for those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, you've experienced joy, you've experienced love, you've experienced patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, these things that the, the Bible would describe as fruits of the Spirit. You've had a glimpse of life the way that it was meant to be lived. Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, that's one of the Gospels in your Bible, he walked along the shores of the Jordan River saying, repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's only within a relationship with Jesus that we can experience life the way that it was meant to be lived because Jesus is the author and maker and creator of life itself. So first thing, through the coming days as we unpack the story of Daniel, I want you to understand that we can relate to Daniel because Daniel, too, is not experiencing a life that is going remotely close to the way that it was supposed to. Second thing, we also, like Daniel, have to live in this new reality where things aren't as they're supposed to be. Not only are we exiled, but that exile has had consequences on us. That exile has caused us to experience a longing and a yearning for things that are far bigger than what we can understand or comprehend now thing three just because we like daniel are being exiled that doesn't mean that that's the way that things will always be and so i want you to know that as we look at daniel daniel has this infectious hope as he goes through the various trials and he and his friends do that we'll unpack this week and that hope allows daniel to have this resiliency this facing god That no matter the outcome, I'm going to stay obedient because God is worth it. And I think it's important for us to know that there's lots of situations that will arise in life that cause us to question or cause us to challenge our own faith. Daniel serves as this beautiful example of someone who in the face of a fiery furnace, in the face of a lion's den, in the face of certain death, 
resolves to remain faithful to God. That message is one for those of you who are followers of Jesus that I want you to pay close attention to. Because in your young years, you have a long life ahead of you with lots of trials that will be thrown your way. Daniel gives us this beautiful, excellent reminder that we too can be resilient in light of of not being home yet. That through Jesus, we can put our hope in the fact that one day he will take us home and that through his love and in a relationship with him, we can experience it in the here and in the now and in the today. There's this beautiful verse at the end of Daniel chapter one that kind of sums up everything that I've just been saying. It's, it's right after the ones we read. So if you remember in chapter, uh, in chapter one, verses six and seven, we learn the new names of the people who were captured. Just before that, we learned that the king was gonna train them and make them eat a diet of food that actually would go against what they were supposed to do. Look at this in verse 8. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself in this way. Daniel resolved before anything else happened in Babylon that he was going to remain faithful to God. My hope and prayer for each of us this week that gets to kind of walk through these verses together, gets to learn the story of Daniel, see it portrayed on stage, have an epic time with the people you came here with. My hope and prayer is that you would realize that this is not home, that we are living in exile, but God has a bigger and more beautiful plan for each of us in light of that. Sound good? Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for a chance to come together for these first few verses in the book of Daniel, Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would just open up the hearts and the minds of everyone here this week as we walk through these chapters. As God, we seek to learn more about your character and your nature through doing so. God, as we look at what it means to face trials, as we look at who you are and, and all of the different topics that we'll cover this week, I pray that you would give everyone in this room just a hunger and a desire and an appetite to learn more about you. God, we thank you that you are a God who is present with us, that you promise to be with us always. I pray that through the scripture reading, through prayer, through conversation, through all of the different spiritual activities that we're going to go through this week, I I pray that you would help us, God, to draw more near to you. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.